That's right, they're playing video games for money. And I'm definitely not gonna let uh, Mass Effect in my house. The level of violence on video games. It might be hazardous to physical and mental health. Pokemon world is a world of the demonic. Then there's the argument that video games can be art. They're a world phenomenon. Welcome to Hitpoint Pals, where we gather once a week to talk about the games we're playing and dive into some of the big picture ideas going on in the gaming and pop culture world. I'm your host, William Suit. I'm joined today by the most pious pals this side of the Roman Pontiff's Papal Palace. Pals such as Caleb Warwick. Hey, hey. Rebecca Markley. Hello, friends. And the most pious person of all, our producer, Travis Lean. It's me. Make sure your pop filter is securely in place. Make sure you pop that papal pussy. Now let's get right into this. <laughs> so, so E3 has what? come to a close. And uh, were there any standout games that you thought just, you know, were really cool that you're looking forward to? I don't know why it took me so long to get to that point, but yeah. Cyberpunk sucks. I'm not excited for it at all. You were excited for it. I don't know, man. I don't. I'm just kidding. And that's like my number one game of like all time that I'm excited for. But I don't want to talk about that yet. I'm excited for Psychonauts too. I don't know about you guys. Literally, out of all the games, so there's like four games that I got excited for. Obviously, Cyberpunk was the one. Was the first one. I mean, that was the first one I saw. Everyone's like, dude, look, Keanu Reeves on fucking Cyberpunk right now. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? I just saw John Wick three. There's no way he's also in Cyberpunk. Um. I am excited for Death Stranding, Psychonauts 2, and there was one more I had on my list. Shit, I forgot. Um, what was the other one? Tom Clancy's Elite Squad. <laughs> that was a big kick in the nuts to all the people excited for Splinter Cell. <laughs> They're like, hey, we're bringing back Sam Fisher, but it's a mobile game. After the site, oh wait, oh, Lego Star Wars, the complete, complete edition with episode 7, 8, and 9. Oh, that's a good yeah. example of a trailer that started, like, almost gave me a heart attack, and Lego, then yeah. it was just Lego stuff, and I was well, extremely disappointed. We were, we were both watching it together, and we were like, um, what the fuck? And we see a Lego figurine, and we're like, oh. Well, they showed TIE Fighters, and they showed the Millennium Falcon. I thought it was going to be a new Rogue Squadron, and I <laughs> then it wasn't. And then they showed, like, a Lego brick explosion in outer space, Shit, and I went, oh, dang it. fuck. Gosh darn it. <laughs> and also... Also, the Millennium Falcon didn't really look like it was Lego at first. Yeah, that's that's why. That's why I was so I was so I was so baited. They probably did that on purpose. That was the biggest bait. <laughs> to trick everybody. To get them excited yes. for a Lego game. Although apparently this new Lego Star Wars uh, collection is completely redone. Like all of the games have been completely redone. It's played from a different camera perspective. It's more of like an over-the-shoulder third-person shooter now. Whoa. What? Yeah. Um, interesting. Hmm. I may when this comes out, I may have to, to. It's been long enough that I would not mind playing through Lego Star Wars again, especially if they've done a bunch of revamping. Lego Yoda. Lego Yoda Death Sam. I really enjoyed watching the Bethesda showcase. Or trying it was to. My oh most my memorable God. part of E3, and not necessarily in a good way, but. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a mobile game. Yeah. Uh, a game that I am surprisingly very interested in is Watch Dogs 3 after learning that there's a lot of procedurally generated stuff going on 
in this installment in a series that I previously did not have any real interest in. Like, I tried to play a little of Watch Dogs 1 and it was really boring, so I didn't get through it. I hadn't touched Watch Dogs 2 ever, but Watch Dogs 3 just sounds really interesting. It's like a mix of, like, Crusader Kings 2-esque, like, relationship stuff going on, and... It sounds like it's the same sort of Granny. like Ubisoft open world type game, but with like a whole lot new like base management stuff. Like it sounds like a cross between like XCOM and Crusader Kings 2. And I'm just really interested to see how this plays out. Uh, getting rid of a protagonist uh, in a game like this to me is a pretty radical thing to do. Um, speaking of radical, we've got some, some politics in Watch Dogs 3, I think. Uh, people have raised some valid questions about the fact that you can recruit anyone to your cause while in real life there would very likely be a lot of people who were in support of a fascist regime who so there's some floppy politics going on in this game but i i'm mostly just interested in the idea of because i really like games like xcom where you have the ability to manage people and stuff and it doesn't necessarily come with a story so much as it gives you a framework to kind of craft your own stories um and games like that are always mm -hmm. really neat to me because you kind of make your own little unique experiences and everyone has their own wild and wacky things that that happen to their characters so if that's how that game is um definitely i'll, I'll be looking into that I think it's interesting how Ubisoft claimed that they were also apolitical too. Basically, they're like, "Oh yeah, we don't have really any politics in our games." I'm like, "I don't know about that one." Yeah, I that's, don't know, man. That's just not true. Yeah, it's not true at all. Like, have the Assassin's Creed games and everything, basically anything that they've done. I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess you could just consider their games. No, you can't even consider their games like generic military shooters at all. Like. You got all the Splinter Cell games and all the um, Tom Clancy. I mean, that's also Tom Clancy. I mean, um, he's still Rainbow pumping Six out games, games in general. Guy. Yeah, I know. How does he write it so fast? It's crazy. But I don't know. I feel like Ubisoft's just trying to play it safe rather than just be like, yeah, we have political undertones. I am excited. I'm still excited for Jedi Fallen Order. I am excited for Animal Crossing and the, I mean, it's a ways off, but the reveal that they're working on a Breath of the Wild sequel was maybe oh, that my, was, that was cool. my, my favorite announcement. So yeah, that is, that is it for me. What about you, Will? Uh, yeah. I mean, Watch Dogs 3 is the first game in that series that really has gained my interest. I would like to see a whole lot more before I get too excited, but yeah, right now I'm I'm quite interested in it. Um I'm I was excited to see more of Final Fantasy 7 remake. Mm -hmm. And like we're we're getting like a release date for that, so it's no longer just like this kind of thing that's always there that people go, "Oh, it's coming out or it's being made, but we don't know when or if it'll be done." So, now it has a date set uh i'll have to wait and see if it comes out but you know i'm kind of excited for that um elden ring 
uh, I'm interested in. I can't really say excited for because we didn't see anything. Yeah. We don't know what it's about. Well, you can't There's... imagine it. You can't even imagine. <laughs> but it's, uh, you know, I, I'm very interested to see what it'll be like from software games, at least the ones I've played I've liked. I still need to get around to playing their previous game, Sekiro, but uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what Elden Ring will have because, you know, the big George R.R. R. Martin worked on it, apparently, in some form. Uh-huh. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, on the whole, honestly, though, this E3 didn't really have a lot of new games that interested me or any... I don't know. I, I felt kind of underwhelmed. I think it's just because it's like so close to the next generation that they're just kind of like holding off. They're holding off. Yeah. That that made sense to me anyways. Like, oh yeah. I don't, sorry. Um, completely not the same subject, but a Doom Eternal was the other one I was excited for. Doom Eternal. I don't know why I forgot, but sorry. I just had to say because I was spacing out. I was like, there's one more game. Anyways. Um, and yeah. we'll see you in hell. <laughs> we'll Guess see so. you in hell. <laughs> um, like... At the Bethesda conference, I was interested to see what Tango's next game would be, and it's Go- Tokyo Ghostwire or Ghostwire Tokyo. We didn't... Yes. That intrigued me. We saw, like, nothing about that game. We, I did we got like a the cinematic. Whole... We got a spooky cinematic. Yeah, we got, like, a cinematic that was... Well, I don't know if I'd call it spooky, but yeah, it was, like, a cinematic. I The best part of that was... People are disappearing. Oh, okay. So you're like a detective and like some like people have disappeared. And then we see the trailer and it's the rapture. Like 90% of Japan is gone. And it's like, well, hold on. You guys kind of undersold that. You got, yeah, you undersold like this <laughs> horrifying event. And you just called it like people are disappearing, which piqued my interest. And then it, it turned out to be the rapture. And it was like, oh, or something like that. And it was yeah. like, oh, okay. I oh. I think what really intrigued me about that specifically, though, is because is um them diving into kind of like japanese folklore kind of stuff like dealing with like the yokai and stuff like that and i was like oh shit this like modernized fantasy and i was like i'm all on board on this like i have no idea what this is gonna be but looks like it could be really interesting but uh yeah um that's about it for me on on e3 yeah like there are games that i'm i was interested to see more of like jedi fallen order Mm -hmm. um but on the whole, yeah, that's that's about it. I'm trying to recall some smaller games or indie games. Um, the there deer was game. there was the deer the deer game way to the woods. <laughs> you got to my see a deer Pedro. break into a vending machine. Um, yeah, my friend Pedro is out now. Oh, oh that looks fun. That looks really fun. I have to pick it up on my Switch or something. Twelve minutes looked really interesting. Oh shit, you're right. And that so does the other time loop really game. Uh, uh, what was the other time loop game? Ten the, minutes. The one by the dishonored kidding. people. Oh, um, the, I can't remember something. What, it's called. what is that game? Uh, called? They showed it at the Bethesda presentation. What's the studio that did Dishonored? Arcane. Arcane. Yeah. Death Loop. Death. Death Loop. Death Loop. That one, that was another case of we haven't seen any gameplay. I can assume some things, but I'd like to see some stuff of it before I get too too excited. But yeah, yeah exactly. I'm, I'll probably pick it up because I really like Arcane's work for the most part. Mm-hmm. Rebecca, did you pick up on anything that you? Nah. Okay. <laughs> All right, but yeah, uh, E3 was it felt kind of underwhelming to me. Um, 
I don't know. It was okay. I mean, it's not like I have a stake in it regardless of what happens. It's not like I'm getting the money. Mm-hmm. That's so a good way to look at it. Yeah, like, you know, if it's cool, awesome. If it's not, oh well. I've got other things I need to do. I mean, it's, E3 is just like basically what Super, Bowl, time. Super Bowl ads are. It's like yeah, people get excited for them for some reason, even though it's yeah, just People like... get hyped about commercials and they're like, oh, yeah. dude, I cannot wait oh. to buy this product. Remember that Doritos co- commercial from last year? Oh, what are we going to do this year? Dude, dude, hey, honestly, dude, Doritos won the Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, dude. It's like, yeah, it's like, what? It's like, guys, what, what are you doing? But I, I won't, I won't say I wasn't like completely splurging when I saw Keanu Reeves and Cyberpunk. So, what does that yeah. mean? What, what, what is the use of splurging in this sentence? It doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. But, okay. <laughs> yeah, that I like how that was the first. Isn't that generally thing. like when you spend a bunch of money? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I think I was using it in a different context, sure. but um. This is like the other day when I forgot the the definition of brisk. I had to ask oh. Will, what, what does brisk mean? Is it when you're when you're cold, or is it when you do something quickly? And then we that, determined that it, it could no, it's mean a drink. It's both. Yeah, it's right? both. But first, I I we I immediately went to well, no, it's like you're doing something quickly. Like you can go for a brisk walk, and then we sat there for a few seconds, and then went. But what about a brisk morning or brisk tea? And it was like, oh yeah, then it would be like chilled, like cold, and we were like, damn, this word. <laughs> huh. What? So a brisk walk could be a cold walk or, or a, a quick walk, walk. or it could, yeah. what and if it's brisk both? tea could be quick tea. What about like a might be very little in there? I don't know though. I feel like the connotation's a little bit different. What about like a brisket, like you know? Okay, well now that's a completely different thing. <laughs> but it has the word brisket. That's not in even it. the word. That's not the word brisk. It, ah, <laughs> this is quick meat. I know quick meat with quick cow. Meat. Here's cold tepid meat. <laughs> but wow! All in all, for me personally, I think the most exciting thing about e3 was cyberpunk and i saw that for the first five minutes of watching all of the e3 so afterwards everything was just like oh for me and i was like oh i could have literally just not watched the rest of e3 and i'm being been okay with it i realized i said cold tepid meat despite the fact that doesn't make sense what is tepid tepid's like lukewarm so it's cold lukewarm oh that's like hot cold man yeah. <laughs> it's like, whoops. Well, you know what they say, words are words. That's, That's what they true. always say. That's the common phrase on the street. Mm. The common phrase the on the street. meaning is all relative, too, so. <laughs> yeah. Go up to some old wise man, he'll be like, words are words. Where am I supposed to find an old wise man? I don't know. Go to fucking <laughs> McDonald's. Just go up to an old wise man. First of all, where? If you're out at the witching hour, you can find the wise man. Like, you do gather. At the runes. At the runes. Okay, cool. What do we want to do? Do we want to take a break, or do we want to just go into the go into the, into the the meat of the podcast? Let's go into the meat. Into the cold, tepid I, meat. I think we can go into the cold, tepid, hot meat of the podcast. The cool. meat. The meat. The steak. Okay, hmm, how to take us into discussion of World War II as a setting of games and the distillation of Nazis as German soldiers. Well, <laughs> how to get into this. Hmm. 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 Big so, think moment. Uh, I, I, I read a piece this week uh, from uh, Vice's Rob Zachney, 
uh, titled games have always tried to whitewash Nazis as just German soldiers, and he mostly looks at the game Battlefield Five, uh, which recently had a controversy where EA rolled out a premium character skin for a Nazi character who you would uh, pay money for to have in the game, and uh, in his earlier piece he just kind of raised a lot of questions about the ethics of selling a like a Nazi skin or a Nazi character as kind of a way to because DLC is 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 usually or like cosmetic DLC like this is all about having your character look cool or like standing out or like setting yourself apart from other people in most games um and so he just raised a lot of questions about the ethics of having a Nazi character like that for sale uh as well as he shared uh, a name with a real life anti-fascist resistance fighter and after that uh post was published ea uh decided they were going to change that it just it, and so the new piece about uh games always tried to whitewash nazis as just german soldiers it kind of reminded me of a conversation that i've had uh, many times with will about like just world war ii games and like for first of all world war ii i feel like is kind of a volatile setting but it's also a one that media is very interested in because there's mm-hmm. a lot of interesting things you can do with it. Uh, oh, a game yeah. that we've played a lot of is Hearts of Iron 4, which is a simulation, a Paradox Grand Strategy simulation game all about World War II and kind of being in charge of a country from uh, 1939, right? And uh, 1936. 1936 on and simulating World War II and kind of crafting your own uh, history of World War II. Um, that is a game that is a very historically rooted uh, version of World War II, I'd say. I mean, it goes yeah. off in alternate histories and whatnot, <laughs> yeah. but uh, it's very based in reality and and realism and such. Um, and then you have games like, uh, for instance, uh, I'll probably talk a little bit more about Call of Duty World War II because I oh, have yeah. played that. I have not played Battlefield Five, um, But Call of Duty World War II is a game where uh, for the single-player campaign, they took a very uh, grounded and historical route. And then with the multiplayer, they kind of took a separate route where they decided they wanted to kind of scale back on Nazi imagery and treat it more as like a kind of like a sandbox, like a little playground. Like, I mean, and that's not anything like that's not anything new. Um, we're specifically looking at this because this is a Call of Duty game made uh a couple years ago that takes place in a world war ii setting but i mean all call of duty games generally have had a a campaign and then they have multiplayer and obviously there's no story in multiplayer so it's kind of a different approach uh even things like like counter-strike right like counter-strike doesn't have a campaign but uh, counter-strike is a game where one team plays as the counter-terrorists and the other team plays as the terrorists which is pretty politically charged imagery i would think but it because it's like a multiplayer setting and it's all just like for fun and games there isn't really like the, the, there's not supposed to be a lot to read into there right yeah it's like to... no there's like no goal for the terrorist like the terrorist team they're going to they have hostages or they are going to plant a bomb there's no there's no messagery there's nothing there it's yeah just, it's not, it, there's this, no like pro al-qaeda yeah, uh, exactly. Or yeah. It's not like they're named like Al Qaeda, and then the other team is named the U.S. military or something like that. It's just it literally counter terrorist. Terrorist. Like yeah. plain, plain dress up is a way that I've yeah. seen some people describe it. Um, and in our current 
game capitalism situation where things are sold as microtransactions and things are sold as DLC, you enter this funny area where, for instance, EA is then trying to sell, like, Nazi skins, which is just weird and gross, and it just raises a lot of questions about the separation of the setting of World War II from the gameplay and the mechanics, and Mm -hmm. I, like, a question that I always ponder over is, like, why even have multiplayer games that are set in World War II if you're just going to ignore the setting? Which is an interesting thing because there are a lot of, there's a lot of argument from, I think, people of different, like, uh, leanings on, like, um, how Battlefield V's multiplayer turned out. Like, some people were mad that there were women there in the mm-hmm. multiplayer and that there were people of color. And then there were also people, I mean, people more towards the right were feeling that way, but then a lot of people more towards the left also had similar feelings. And I do as well. Like, I think we, we had talked a few podcasts ago about like, you know, letting a person customize their character and like take part in this game. And yeah, the multiplayer is treated as like a, just a sandbox, but at the same time, in the same time in the multiplayer, it's like, oh, we're going to have people of color and women fighting for the Nazis. And then it's like, yeah, I, I get the whole thing about, like, character customization and all that. I get that. Uh, and that makes sense to me in, like, a lot of games. And then it's like, World War II, though, I, seems kind of weird to have, like, people of color fighting, like, in the German army. I don't know. That just seems very weird to me. And I don't like that very much. Yeah, there was an interesting quote in, like, the how Call of Duty World War II handles swastikas and female soldiers that I thought was really weird. We want this to be about you. We're not making a statement about the authenticity of the Axis Force. We're making this about putting you in this special space and you into your soldier. And we want that to be rewarding and meaningful. And I was just kind of thinking, like, why would you want there to be a meaningful, like, experience if you were, like, in an Axis in the Axis powers, like, cause like, was that supposed to be like an empowering experience? It's supposed to be like, I don't know. I just thought that was, that was really interesting, especially, especially when like the other article I was, I shared, um, about that talked more about whitewashing of, of Nazism and how just kind of like the, um, fetishizing of like the fascist aesthetic is a really dangerous path to, you know, becoming a neo-Nazi. So I, I just thought that was like, oh, and they're, they're just saying it out loud. Like this was the goal of the experience. And what's so interesting to me about that is if it wasn't, if they were saying that about something like maybe some science fiction game, no one, nobody would like bat an eye. We're like, yeah, of course you're playing. Well, a, I was going to say, I think I, I much prefer and... a, a scenario like Halo where the multiplayer is people who look the same, but their armor is different colors. Mm-hmm. to a situation exactly. like I, I, I'm i playing like the US versus the Nazis in a World War II multiplayer arena it's just it's just weird it's interesting it's it, it like gets rid of a lot of the weight of what the Nazis did in World War II I would think when you uh, apply that sort of like disregard to the history even though it is a multiplayer setting mm-hmm. uh, I like last year I was at CWL Anaheim uh, and there was a point when I was watching, 
like you're 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 there watching these big like teams on the stage play against each other on the main stage like optic versus 100 thieves or whatever and at a certain point in the middle of the like game like i just kind of like i squinted and i realized like wait a second like we're looking at we're, we're looking at u.s soldiers versus german soldiers here in like a big like family friendly audience where and like th- this isn't prominently it's not like there's like swastikas or anything on the screen but like at a certain point i just like realized that we were looking at a game that is set in a world war ii setting and it's being displayed on this big like stage in front of a big audience and in front of a bunch of people on on twitch and there was just this sense of disconnect to me where you're watching these pro players like get sick headshots and all that and it just made me think like why do we have to do this in such a such a charged like historical setting yeah that's what i was gonna say too it's like um i was gonna bring up esports especially with amongst like call of duty because i mean call of duty's got a relatively large esports fan base right and it's not really like bad necessarily to if it's like a modern setting it's like you know who cares like but if you're gonna go for a historically accurate setting and like have like you know for example like a black female soldier in like a german armor you know fighting um the allies and stuff you know what i mean it's like it's kind of weird especially if you're gonna have it like esports related you know and like all these people are gonna watch and stuff and see like um what's considered to be in a world war ii setting and you know part of history kind of just like sandboxed around in and i don't know um i can it kind of makes sense made a little bit of sense of why they would try to play it safe but it's still it's like well why would you you know even try to like charge this you know why would you try to like make this a big thing with call of duty formula um in modern day you know what i mean like you know customize everything and all this specific multiplayer and big cinematic um single player and then try to do the same thing but with more of like a centered around you know something that's happened in real life you know what i mean i don't know if that makes sense but i think the the worst part uh is when he responds by saying they're just german soldiers where i think like the better approach would have been to try to differentiate between like 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 something like it's just multiplayer i think is more in line with a message that makes more sense to me but like like what is their just german soldiers the german soldiers were nazis i don't think ea knows how to here we're going into this would be a huge thing on its own about at what point does the nazi state itself end and at what point is like it or is germany and the nazi state synonymous with one another that is get that's a huge discussion that i don't even think germany's resolved and plus, I don't think EA knows how to respond to controversy that well. <laughs> the whole, oh, loot boxes, what are you talking about? Those are, um, well, what did they say? Um, surprise mechanics. Surprise mechanics. Like with, the, <laughs> like with the response about like, like you said, oh, they're just German soldiers. It's like, <laughs> what a dumb fucking response. No shit, they're German soldiers. That's not what the arguments are about. But, uh, It's funny uh, who said that. I can I can try and figure out what they were going for with that, but yeah, no, it, it just gets into this weird thing about like Germany and it's really sh- like the Nazi Party, its ties to like every part of the Nazi state, all of these things. Like, 
It's a fucking mess. It's kind of like, um... I'm gonna go on a tangent if I- no, never mind. No, no, say it! No, Summarize it. You can't just do that. <sighs> but like... Oh, they're, they're just German soldiers, and then Travis, he said, Oh, but they were Nazis. It's like, almost everybody who worked in any form of, like, civil government in Germany was a Nazi, because they had to join the party to do any sort of job. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's not to say the oh no well the army wasn't Nazis well no I mean who enables the conquest and the war the, the, the military they're the ones who do that so I totally get that but then you've also got cases of like what about conscription or drafts or anything were those people direct are those people on the same level as like high level right. Nazis or people who were like I don't want to say Bible thumping but you know what I mean like they're by the book like. Um, died in the wool Nazis. They are 100% behind this fucked ideology. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want to like make this about racism, but mm-hmm. I feel like it kind of offers like an interesting analogy where like you have people who, you know, are lynching black people and like those are like real concrete examples of racism. Yeah. But, you know, where people are just like, oh, are microaggressions racist? And like there's a sort of like weird debate. When, yeah, they're definitely, like, acts of racism. Yeah. But it's, you know, they're not, like, literally the same. They're not, like, yeah. Microaggressions do not equal lynching, but there is a corollary between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that is racism. And so, like, all of, everyone in Germany was a Nazi in, like, yeah, that's true. But, like, they weren't obviously all, like, killing people in mass and you know, plotting and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, there's, of course, there's always a degree of culpability because, well, they are German citizens of the German state, which was ruled by the Nazis, you know? I mean, regardless of what people say, there, there is a, there's certainly a role in that. I mean... Absolutely. Yeah, and, like, that, that shouldn't be glossed over yeah. either, but, you know, I feel like it... But what I'm getting at is you, to simplify it down to, oh, they're all Nazis. It's like... Uh, uh, I get what you're getting at, but uh. I think it's the way that the game wants to portray the enemy soldiers in in this case. Yeah, and that's why I kind of went off of that comment about, oh, they're just German soldiers. It's like, no, we know they're German soldiers, but there's more than that. Like, I I just I find that just such an absurd, absurd response from EA. It was EA Mm. who did that, right? Yeah, about this is about Battlefield five. Yeah, I just think that's such a weird response to just say, oh, they're just German soldiers. It's like, yeah, yeah but also this and uh The German military, I don't remember what it was actually called, because uh, I don't speak German, Vermont and the word something. looked I don't know how to pronounce scary, it, and I didn't want to try to pronounce it. Um, <laughs> I feel like it, I mean, they, they worked like hand-in-hand with, like, you know, SS folks to you know round up jewish people yeah it's like so, when the again, oh sorry what were you saying oh no i was just gonna go on but yeah you continue oh, well yeah with the hand in hand thing it's like organizationally mm-hmm. there might have been some work together there um but organizationally as far as i can tell they were pretty separate but and th- this is the big thing that gets right into what you were talking about yeah the german army when it pushed into like uh eastern europe just like into poland and then later into russia and so on the army would sweep through doing the fighting against the Russian army, and then right behind them would be, like, SS Einsatzgruppen uh, Einsatz units that 
were in there with military guard. They went in there after the military had cleared away. And then the Einsatzgruppen were able to go into towns and just start, well, killing en masse Jewish people. And it's like, yeah, yeah, like, yes, the army and like the Nazi state kind of separate, very similar, very closely tied, of course. But of course, the Nazis would not have been able to like begin their policies had it not been for the efforts of the army, first and foremost. Yeah. They would have never been able to kill the millions and millions of Jews in Central East in Eastern Europe had it not been for the invasions launched by the German military. So yeah, there's like that there's just so closely tied there. Uh another thing about Battlefield Five that the uh that the Vice piece uh points out. Uh they released a DLC, a story based DLC, uh called my understanding was it takes place like as the war is ending and you're kind of like uh, like the last german tank crew and you're like fighting for your life or something and it's it's played weirdly straight uh and wants you to think that like these soldiers are are very heroic and valorous and i mm-hmm. i wasn't aware of this until i uh until that the the vice piece linked to this older article <laughs> i don't understand the approach to this concept i played war stories in battlefield one there's a very similar sounding mission in there where you play as a British tank crew. Um, War Stories in Battlefield 1 doesn't have you play as the Axis ever, I don't believe. Well, uh, which does get did, into, like, I fucking glossed stuff. over it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, like, I played as, like, Australia. There was an Australia level. There was a... Uh, man, I don't remember. It's been a while. There was, a, like, a Lawrence of Arabia-esque level. Um, anyway, yeah, it was just weird to, to, to read that Battlefield 5 has you play as the nazis in a dlc one thing that i think is really interesting though is i hadn't thought about but like you said with um in battlefield one it's like a little vignette stories you never yeah. play as like the central powers mm-hmm. yet in battlefield five they have like one where you now play as like this nazi tank crew and it's funny to me because world war ii like the not like i would think evidently not by today's like political like landscape but i i thought we were all in agreement that the nazis were the bad guys and i'm using nazi as just like the as germany like you Mm -hmm. know but world war one it's interesting that that game doesn't even let you play as the central powers because that war was just like an imperialist conquest and there were no real bad guys in that war as far as i can tell so we couldn't play as the central powers in world war one a war where it was just kind of like you know the aristocracy and bureaucrats. I mean, I feel like everyone was the bad guy in World War War I. I was just like this fucking mess, but yet oh, you can only play as the Entente. Then we have World War II and Battlefield V that's like not, it's, we're pretty clearly against like evil groups, but yet this game lets us play as them? Like it lets us play as both sides? I feel like it's really sort of like neutralizing the both sides there. Yeah. And you can do both. Like they're kind of like putting them at like they are equal. Like their narratives are are both equal. And I think that's really dangerous. Yeah, it's a very yeah. post-Trump good people on both sides. It, it's like to yes. the first, in the First World War, I can totally get that narrative. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Like you can even like, yeah, like most soldiers in that war were like, why are we fighting the other guys? But then World we War Two, it's yeah. like, well, hold on a minute. You can't do this here. Also, having this conversation in a landscape where apparently now the Wolfenstein games are controversial. 
Uh, what games? The Wolfenstein. Oh, Wolfenstein. yeah, that's one I don't get, like, at all. Yeah. I don't and looking understand. back at looking back at portrayals of Nazis in, like, original Medal of Honor and original mm-hmm. Wolfenstein, like, this was never controversial. Killing Nazis was never controversial. And they portray them as, like, these like, extremely evil, like, entity, basically, which is good. You know, that's totally, like, you're, you're not painting him as a good guy. Like, what 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 was the the doctor's name in the first game? Ah, shoot. In the first Wolfenstein, there was um, Dr. Deathshed. That's what, his name is Dr. Deathshed. Oh, yeah, and Deathshed, or Totem Cult, or whatever. Yeah. He's just this fucked up, evil, Nazi scientist, and you, your only goal throughout that is just, like, I gotta kill this dude. That's exactly. It. it. Yeah, and, like, it just lets you, like, it's just, like, the most over-the-top, like, you know, you're just killing Nazis, you're having a good time, just... And actually has a pretty good story for, you know, that basic, but that's yeah. aside from the point. Um, like, I feel like there's two different, evil. like, versions of Nazis, though, mm-hmm. portrayed in media. Like, there's, like, a cartoony version in Wolfenstein and mm-hmm. other media, like, um, like, Overlord or, like, yeah. uh, like Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> and you kind of have to have a different mindset when you're going in to watch one of these movies or play one of these games, which is, like like just kill all the nazis and the, these movies and games don't really go into like the atrocities of what the nazis did they just kind of rely on your innate knowledge of that and they don't touch on them whatsoever in the actual media themselves oh i think wolfenstein kind of does yeah wolfenstein definitely wolfenstein i think part of this is why maybe wolfenstein 2 um what was it uh, the, the new colossus got a lot of crap because they are over the top well they are evil um, and some people would see them as like, yeah, that cartoony evil, but then they, there's very real things that the Nazis believed in there and it's tied in with the Nazis being, you know, evil. And there are some things with that and the way it's set against other ideologies that a lot of people in certain political groups didn't like. But like the original Wolfenstein games. The, like, oh yeah. Doom, it, origi- it's just, games. yeah, there's Nazis in a just castle. pixels with right. swastikas on it. You're shooting at <laughs> Wolfenstein 2, I remember seeing the that that was a game that was like a victim of um YouTube commentary channels uh, oh whatever. Um yeah, exactly. Uh and there was this one really long video that got a lot of views where this guy was complaining about the fact that oh, you have to team up with these with these black communists. Uh are we forgetting all the millions of people the communists have killed and it's like no, the communists did kill millions and millions of people. Of course they did. It was an extremist ideology. But this game, Wolfenstein, the focus is fighting evil Nazis. And in case you didn't know, th- this might be, you know, a little shocking. We did team up with the Soviet Union to fight the Nazis. And it's just like... Those damn commies. Those damn commies. We would never team up with the commies, except for the times that we did team up with the commies. It's just... It's just so Speaking- absurd to me. <laughs> Speaking of that, like... I always, whenever I think of World War II games also, I think of Call of Duty World at War, which actually, like, delved pretty realistically, in some cases, into World War II. And now that I think of it, they actually, like, I mean, to be fair, it was a different time when the game came out. It's like 2008 or so. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, it was it had multiplayer and everything, and there was, like, swastikas and all... You yeah, know, this is they, back when people were still fine with killing Nazis, for the most part. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And... 
was it you played as the uh, the Soviet soldier? I remember that one mission where you were fighting. The oh yeah, Germans. there were the, like two campaigns. The yeah, American that was actually pretty cool. Japan and the Russians against the Germans. Yeah, that that was cool. I actually really liked that campaign. It was it was fun. I just remember like you get shot as the Russian soldier and you're like slowly like crawling to like plant the flag over the Nazi flag. And you're like yeah, I don't know. It was, it was cool. Anyways, yeah, just reminiscing about a. Uh, old World War II game I played when I was pretty young. <laughs> but yeah, um, back to Wolfenstein. Um, I don't know, man. I feel like there shouldn't be that much controversy. Ah, who would have thought fair. one extremely racist president would bring all of the neo-Nazis out of the woodwork? Yeah. Yeah. To hey, be fair, there's lots of there's lots of good word woodwork on both sides, all right? So just, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just stop. Ugh, how dare gross. How could you? <laughs> to be fair, though, it's like... People are trying to find controversy in, like, a lot of games now, too, whether it's, like, not specifically about, like, racism or anything, but, like, for example, Cyberpunk has been getting a lot of controversy, too, about, like, kind of the portrayal of um, people of color in that game right now, and I think that's pretty interesting, um, because, but yeah, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't really see what the controversy was specifically about, but like bringing it to, um, I did cause I didn't read too much into why specifically there was like the Haitians in part of this group called the animals and yada, yada. Um, but back to Wolfenstein, it's like, it's pretty clear that it's not, you know, why are you mad about it? Like, why are you, why, why is there controversy around Nazis? Like, yeah, it's it's like you're you're getting tied up in like how you feel about politics now in a game set in an alternate history where your main enemy is evil Nazis. Like, yeah, there should be a, like you you should like you shouldn't feel terrible about fighting these evil Nazis. Like, unless unless your um, ideology is Nazism, which first of all you already have like a you've got a you've got problems. problems. Yeah, um, there's like you know. There shouldn't be controversy around it. It's fine. But it's just, I feel like also it has to do with like a lot of weird journalism and jumping on to controversy trains and yada yada. Trying, blowing people up that want to start controversy that shouldn't, you know, matter what their voices say. You know what I mean? Uh, there's, there's a lot of weird things going on with the internet nowadays, though, that just creates topics like this, you know? So yeah. we can talk about it. <laughs> I do think that there's been just kind of like a little bit of like our own sort of like revisionist history of Nazis. And we for, we, we only think of them as these like cartoony, ridiculous, um, you know, like super evil, like the ultimate baddies. Right. Mm -hmm. When that sort of like erases the um, sort of like the rise of the Nazi party and just sort of like what happened before that. Um, and so I think when you know, in, in, I guess, political commentary, when people, you know, like use terms like Nazis, people get really upset because they're like, oh, these people are not being Nazis because like in their mind, Nazis are like, you know, they're, they're not like murdering people in mass. They're just kind of like perpetuating like a, a dangerous ideology. And um, I think it's because we've kind of like forgotten about, or we've sort of just kind of erased the, um, sort of like the political climate before Nazi Germany and like what was happening there. And we just kind of like skipped to like, oh, you know, there was World War One, and then it sucked for Germany. And then all of a sudden there was World War Two, <laughs> And 
you know, and, and we're just like, yeah, that's, that's what happened, obviously. Um, and so when, you know, like, I feel like specifically in the news right now, or like, um, um, AOC was talking about concentration camps for the migrants, um, and people were just like, you shouldn't use that language because it's such a loaded term. And like, yeah, well, this is a really loaded situation. Um, and because I think we have this idea that like Nazis are the ultimate baddies and like we could never do such a thing mm-hmm. when you know there are actually a lot of parallels and we should be concerned and alarmed yeah and it's like everybody when you, when you hear <clears throat> concentration camps you think like oh german death camps and like the holocaust exactly. which is fair but people a lot of people don't realize that those concentration camps existed in like 1934 for political prisoners and like other undesirable people like mm-hmm. we don't think that it started that early and if you read accounts from back then, like a lot of people knew about them, like we know about them now, but it was always just kind of this uh, like, oh, well, that's, you know, that's, that's just, that's, uh, that's for those other people. That's, we don't need to worry about it. Exactly. But this yeah. permissive kind of environment just allowed it to become something bigger. And yeah, you're absolutely exactly. right. That, like, of course we all like should keep in mind like this, this horrible end result, but you need to realize how it starts, how it gets there. How does it become that horrible thing? Yeah, how do concentration camps turn into death camps? Yeah, or you'll have... And, like, how do you just, like, rounding up of of, of undesirables yeah. or trying to punish people from doing something that is supposedly illegal? Call of Duty World War II is a really interesting campaign because... It's kind of the standard, you know, go through, shoot the people and stuff. Like, it doesn't have a whole lot of emotional impact. But there is an epilogue level, which the way I would describe it is, like, you're playing a walking simulator in an abandoned death camp. Which is pretty horrifying to go through, at least I thought. Um, And so I've just always found that the, the way they approach the campaign in that game to be really interesting how like they you kind of have this mostly grounded approach taking a like taking a journey through the eyes of some of the allied uh troops and getting to see some of the horrors of what the nazis do but not really and then when the game's over they kind of give you this addendum where it's like by the way like the holocaust happened just in case you forgot we didn't forget just so you know Mm -hmm. here it is what you were saying about like forgetting um reminded me of like this twitter thread that i saw a couple of days ago about the phrase never forget with response or like in context of like the holocaust and how it's sort of come to mean oh like never forget the holocaust that happened in during world war ii in nazi germany and then sort of like forgot we've forgotten about like the collective um, like I guess I, I guess I kind of touched on this earlier, but just to, with specifically the phrase "never forget," um, how we've like forgotten about the um, all of the steps that that happened along the way to get to the um, the Holocaust, like you know the the dehumanization of 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 Jews and um, sort of like the the sort of crazy nationalism like oh you have to be german and german is like this like aryan you know um like ideal and if you aren't you know the ideal then then you aren't good enough and you have to leave um 
And that's, you know, I feel like very prevalent in a lot of sort of like rhetoric on the political right in America with regards to, um, you know, people fleeing bad political situations in Latin America and coming to America and seeking asylum. Yeah, like a lot of that German, I mean, that that Nazi kind of rhetoric was, you know, I mean, at its basis, it's exclusionary to try to create an other within the nation mm-hmm. that you can direct a lot of problems towards and then target those people. And then, of course, that same rhetoric when applied to the millions and millions of non ideal germans in eastern europe helped lead to a lot of these like i led to like this escalation of just these murderous policies and it's interesting to me that like in the united states we've got this discussion around the wall and the basis of that is exclusionary Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm very worried about a lot of that rhetoric because the united states is such a multicultural multi-ethnic nation yeah like I, I, and like I, when, I, when I people just, throw around words like white ethno state, it's it's very alarming. Yeah, and what's weird to me is if I had heard that ten years ago from somebody my age, I would have assumed this dude's like being an edgy joker. It's a meme. Like mm-hmm. that's not what this country is about. But if I hear that today, it's like ah. Uh, uh, but I mean, that's sort of like what happens is like, you know, it starts off as like a joke yeah. or, you know, it starts off. It's like, you know, the like the OK hand symbol being like a white supremacy symbol and sort of like co-opting things that are just like weird, edgy things that like, you know, people just do. Um, and then it sort of like becomes like once, you know, you know, and then it's sort of like the, the head nod and like you get like the sort of camaraderie and. It's all very gross. Yeah. I th- and culty. I think um, this might be a, a bit too much of a tangent for what we're on right now, but Travis, feel free to cut this. Um, speaking of like things starting as like jokes, uh, uh, Travis earlier had mentioned. Oh, um, no. Did I make a joke? No, I don't. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, you had earlier Travis mentioned Hearts of really Iron 4. Travis really controversial never made jokes. Um, Travis, you had earlier mentioned Hearts of Iron 4 and like oh, yeah. uh, that game and how it's like this military tactical look at the second world war but it doesn't really dive into anything deeper mm-hmm. um paradox games are great historical sandboxes they focus on different things and there's always things that people would want to be done different to want to have done differently in those games um the paradox games uh on the forums a lot i've seen this for a long time i've always attracted like a a, a small but very like nationalist group of players because of course what game that lets you play as nazi germany wouldn't you know mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. I think and i tried months... to play nazi germany in that game i got my ass kicked so hard i think it's mostly just because i'm <laughs> bad at the game um a few months ago the paradox Games subreddit banned all certain types of jokes that were kind of like uh this namely a certain joke called remove kebab mm-hmm like that, jo- it was a joke because you'd say remove kebab and it was just, it was a joke about racist, like hardcore nationalist, like uh, people from the Balkans like, hating the Turks. That was the whole joke because there's games like Europa 4 that involve the Byzantine Empire fighting against the Ottomans. Okay. It's like this meme. And then it kind of came to mean like remove Muslims from like that region of the world. And it was like, okay, it's still closely tied to the joke. So most people on the Paradox Reddit didn't really mind. But then in the last like three years, it's gotten a lot more like 
outright being used in like a very serious tone or it would be a joke and you'd say oh, hey that's kind of fucked in up the last three years and <laughs> yeah you'd, you'd 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 call somebody out and they'd say uh hey shithead it's just a joke and it's like yeah it used to be but didn't they like <sighs> enact new policies in response to the christchurch shooting yes they they did some stuff like that. yeah uh like no more remove kebab memes we're not doing this shit anymore and like the big thing was most of us here on the subreddit know it, it's it, it was a joke but it's reached a point where even if like a couple of people take it seriously we've fucked up so on the subreddit it was like no more jokes like this and i think on the whole most people were like okay yeah, yeah. this is a fine this is a fine change but then of course there was a lot of people who screamed about this is an attack Freeze on beach. freedom of Freeze speech beach. this is an attack on freedom of speech i can't believe this you you're shilling out to these fucking social justice warriors and it was just like okay yeah and those are the nazis yeah and it's like the people who these guys who are defending freedom of speech are using that freedom of speech to like say shut the fuck up you goddamn turk remove kebab and it's like Okay, I'm glad this meme is like done for on the subreddit. It's of course not dead. I still see it on the YouTube comments for things, but I mean, it's you like, can go find another subreddit probably. Yeah, but it's like that that yeah. subreddit like removed that, and it's like okay, great. But yeah, it's like these things, these jokes that start out like you only need like a couple people to like not get the joke, and before long they'll just keep using it and get more and more people to use it the way they use well, it. I don't think that they. I don't think that they don't get the joke. I think they use it because it is a joke. And oh, so it can fly under it? the radar. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so, you know, oh. when you know that it's not a joke and you say it and someone else laughs, then I don't know. I feel like it's just. Haha, like you a lefties way to... can't meme. It's just a meme. Yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, if you look at a game like Crusader Kings 2, which is all about uh, the Crusades and mm -hmm. wars between different <laughs> religions and different races, Yo, it's God. like. I mean, like, you can, you. it's difficult to differentiate, like, is the joke rooted in racism, or is it just rooted in some of the, like, historical goofiness of that time period? Yeah, and it's like... And can you even separate those two things? Yeah, and it's also, but it's also, yeah, it's like the content, like, the way you're using it, like, there are certain things you can do in Crusader Kings 2 that are fucked up, but it's also fucking medieval Europe, mm -hmm. a place that was pretty fucked up and it's of course you know people taking that imagery or those ideals about the crusades and then bringing that out and relating it to modern things and it's like okay now you're absolutely not doing this in the context of a video game set in that time right you're using all of this shit to like further your weird fucked uh ideology we should wrap things up <laughs> hell yeah hell yeah <laughs> i feel like wow that, that was that was a robust conversation yeah. Who has who has shout outs? Who's been playing anything that they want to shout out? Oh shit. What? <laughs> no, I just I, I really liked we're talking about Nazis in the political climate and then right, who's got some shout outs? <laughs> <laughs> well, I started uh too old. I think I started or I talked about this last time I was on the podcast, but I'm I'm finishing up Dead Space, the first one. And oh boy, I mean it's been rough, but I, I love that game enough. It's crashed so many times, but I'm powering through it. Um, and then I also started uh, the Metal Gear games, starting from the Metal Gear Solid, was it Tactical Espionage? Uh, what, was, what was the last? I don't remember. 
But um, the original one on the PlayStation 1, that's where I'm starting from. And then going through all of them, all the way to Revengeance and Metal Gear Solid 5. Um, I'm more than likely going to stream through all those ones too, so it's going to be kind of weird. <laughs> but I'm, I'm super excited about it. After playing like... I'm about halfway through Metal Gear Solid 1 on the PlayStation. And I love it. If you're going to announce that you're streaming, you need to shout out your stream. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, if you want to go watch some of the Metal Gear Solid... uh, I'm going to be first playing through the Legend of Zelda game starting at the Orcarina of Time, though, after Dead Space. I'm sorry, did he just say Orcarina? I'm sorry. Looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. (laughs) I'm sorry. But I'm starting from there and playing through all the way to Breath of the Wild. Um, And then after that, I'll be starting the Metal Gear Solid game. So it's going to be a little while until I do that. But if you guys want to watch me play some games, twitch.tv forward slash Yeti the Human. And yeah, those are some games I've been playing. Metal Gear and Dead Space. Hell yeah. Who uh, more shout outs? Who has more shout outs? Um, I've been playing Pillars of Eternity, a top down role playing game based on well, inspired by Baldur's Pillars. Gate. Oh, and uh, uh, Icewind Dale, uh, but it's not based on like D rule set, so it's like okay. Um, I've been having a lot of fun with that. Uh, I really like the story. I like the quests, I like the characters, uh, I've owned it for a while, my last game I had, uh, to put it simply, a really dumb party composition, um, which didn't work. <laughs> what was Shockers. it? I'm curious. Uh, it was like a bunch of fighters that all tried to do like the same stuff so nobody specialized in anything, so oh, yeah. we just kind of you know, got walloped. <laughs> so this time I created a party of almost all wizards who specialize Wait, in Wait, it doesn't sound like you learned much. <laughs> oh, no, I learned some. Now they specialize, and it's been working fantastic. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I've been having cool. a lot of fun with that. Um, I picked up a game called Barrow Trauma. Um, about, uh, you just kind of playing like a submarine under, uh, under the ice of the moon Europa. And you're kind of going through the dark ocean, and it—I uh, get scared easily, but it's—it's it's, it's got a spooky atmosphere, and it's like, oh, geez, I already don't like spooky stuff, and now I'm in a submarine. Oh, Dude, it's, I love it's neat stuff. It's still uh, in early it's, access, yeah, but I've been having. Game. Oh, I was gonna say fun. we played it when it was in early access, but I guess it <laughs> yeah, still is in early access. Our, our fr- we played like a very early like demo version of it, and my main memory of that is we're just wandering around trying to figure stuff out and. Travis pulls out a revolver and he shoots a big glass window and we're under the ocean. So the water pressure immediately pushes in and crushes our bodies. And it was like, Oh (laughs) Jesus Christ. Fun times. Yeah. A very interesting physics engine as well. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's yeah. Those are the two games I've been, I've been mainly playing. Hmm. I've just played D and D. I played in it because we finally got around to playing in Cam's game, Tomb of Annihilation, um, and we had a really unsatisfyingly hard fight Ooh. with an invisible beholder. Um, that was brutal. It was a lot of corpse tanking, um, which is when 
you go unconscious and then someone heals you and then you come back up and then you keep fighting and then you get hit again and then someone heals you. Yeah. Oh, what a fun loop. Um, yes. And it's very boring for the healer, me, because I just get to like heal people and I don't get to actually do anything fun. Um, and then I don't get to do any of my cool spells that would have helped, but that's all right. Um, it was also not very fun for other people because like people got charmed and so we were like fighting our own party members because they were charmed and they thought we were the enemy and it was just so stressful and i don't know we we we, we got the we killed the beholder and we got all of the beholder's treasure which is you know great but um it's a very like grim campaign and so like i don't know if we're actually going to be able to use all of the treasure that we get so it just seems kind of pointless um <laughs> now that we're like even richer than we were before because we also killed the dragon earlier in the campaign and got to you know loot all of the the dragon horde um and so now we're just we're just ridiculously rich and we're out in the middle of a jungle and we have no use for it and yeah so it's very um Seems very, like, fatalist, almost. Um, and then I also ran for the, um, I'm gonna say it correctly this time, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist that's now sort of turning into, um, Storm King's Thunder, and so they are just started off on their first adventure, and they're gonna get ambushed by some giants, and that's really fun and i am excited to play more of that hell yeah hell what about you yeah. travis any any shouts out uh shouts out shouts <laughs> out shout outs? Um, shouts out i have been playing through breath of the wild i i acquired a nintendo switch and oh. i started playing through breath of the wild and i have i i feel bad that i didn't get around to this uh any sooner because uh, just, it's, I guess, to put it simply, I I really enjoy this game, and I, I feel very <laughs> immersed in it and enamored by the weirdness and quirkiness in a way that I haven't really felt since I played Morrowind like over a decade ago. Hmm. There's a lot of wild and wacky stuff that just keeps happening to me as I kind of meander around in the world, and that's kind of my favorite part of it is that there's not any like strict direction or anything um and that i can just kind of stumble across things and i also like that the switch lets me press a button and save a replay of things because a lot of dumb things happen to me because i don't really know what i'm doing um i will i i know it's a pretty long game so i will probably be playing it for for quite some time i was just i was really struck by like how 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 much i felt it it was similar in like tone and scale to a game like morrowind which is just kind of its own unique weirdness like capital w weirdness I, I, <sighs> there's a lot of like weird games but to me like morrowind is like the perfect blend of both weird and playable so uh that's where I am with Breath of the Wild right now. I yeah. am also kind of in the same boat with Breath of the Wild. I'm, st I'm I forgot to say that I am actually playing that. I've been playing that for like the past 
couple months though <laughs> so i wouldn't say like consistently but every here and then and i mean i need to give it like a full focus playthrough one of these days it's really fun but just that's just kind of like the unfortunate side of having the switch always with you because i just kind of like pick it up for 30 minutes and then set it down and play on my pc or playstation or something but yeah there's like a lot of good i i think like platformers and casual type games that i am realizing like lend themselves better to a platform like the switch which is just kind of very portable and very casual like i'd but, much rather pick up a switch and hang out on like my stardew valley farm than sit down in my gaming rig to load up like this <laughs> this bloated pixelated image it, it, like, it like... just looks better on a small screen too but the thing that's like detracting me from buying anything on the switch is like they're just all so expensive they are they're so expensive <laughs> yeah it's like mario kart Eight that's been out for like four years is still sixty dollars and I'm like, ah. Yeah, on. I very I very begrudgingly bought a copy of Civ Six which was on sale and it was still like forty dollars and I was like I got this game on PC for like ten dollars. Exactly. It's like, but it has to do with the way that Switch cartridges are uh are manufactured and the fact that the digital like games have to match up with those prices or like value of things gets really wonky weird that's super weird it's huh. super like i feel like playstation at one point was kind of the standout platform for like gating off content in exclusivity and i feel like nintendo has usurped the throne as like the ultimate gatekeepers of content yeah that's true i just i just hope some more like big triple a games come out for it so that like, makes some of the other games go on sale. Like, are you gonna play, play The Witcher in glorious 540p? Yeah. You think I'm not gonna buy The Witcher three on the Switch? I don't know. Why full would you want to price of sixty dollars, dude. I could be Geralt on the go. Yeah. Yeah, but he's gonna look grainy. Who cares, dude? He's still Geralt. I he's don't like, get it. hey, I'm a Witcher. I do Witcher things. We should we should tease Star, Star Wars we watch and toss to the outro. Hell yeah, I think Geralt should be in Star Wars. He'd be a good Star War. Right, you're wrong, but <laughs> are you guys excited for the next movie? Oh yeah, honestly I am. Yeah, I'm excited. I want to find a way to watch it at my house in all of its glory. I think I'm gonna try to watch mean? it. In what does that mean? <laughs> At your house in all of its- I don't- understand. You guys didn't let me finish. You didn't let me finish, okay? <laughs> I said in 4K, okay? Is there a 4K release of the I just pictures? wanna- I'm sure there is. I'm not. What? Maybe there is. I don't maybe, even think there's maybe. a 4K of the original trilogy. Hmm. Well, I will look around for the best quality I could watch it on. We put speakers around and fucking blast <laughs> just it. Just disperse speakers? Yeah, <laughs> not even in like an organized fashion. Just gonna be kind of speakers around my house, playing the same movie. Where's the subwoofer? Audio up there. <laughs> there's a there's a rumor that they will release a 4K box set next year. Oh yeah, okay. I just saw that. I just kind of for some reason assumed because it was Star Wars. Well, yeah, I, I mean, movies nowadays get 4K releases, which by the way are there's nothing is actually released in true 4K. Everything is yeah. upscaled from like a weird 2K. Um, yeah. 
so like ultra hd movies are not actually 4k they're like a, i mean they look a lot better than 1080p blu-rays but they're still they're not actually what they're selling which is it, it makes me cringe when people are trying to sell 8k tvs yeah. or 8k consoles because it's like we don't Google actually Stadia. have the technology to to do content for that and we're just are we just going to keep faking it until like 16k is actually like 3k you see, I'm actually going to watch the Star Wars movie in 4K on my Switch. Well, you'll have to let us know how that goes when we return yes. for our Star Wars rewatch of Episode 2, Attack of the Clones. A thrilling adventure, a timeless tale, and we're not quite sure when we'll cover it, yeah, but we'll figure it we're out. working on that. But our first episode is up. Uh, you, It's not in this podcast feed, though. You have to look for uh, Star Wars Rewatch, which is its own feed. Uh, and we have our first episode of The Phantom Menace up, where we talk about the intergalactic politics and the Trade Federation and the blockade of Naboo, and we try to get to the bottom of what's going on there. But who can say what is going on there? Because I sure can't. So... Thank you for joining us. And we us. also talk about racism. <laughs> did we? Oh yeah, yeah we I, did. We, we certainly did. a lot. We yeah, we talked. Yeah, we talked a lot about that. But hey, Watto makes a return in episode two, so we can keep on talking about Watto. I cannot wait. Yes. <laughs> so watch Star Wars and don't be a Nazi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Listen, listen to our Phantom Menace conversation. Uh, look forward to our Attack of the Clones conversation, and look forward to more Hit Point Pals whenever we come back. Thank you for joining us this week on Hit Point Pals. You can find all of our episodes on the web at hitpointpals.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com/hitpointpals. Drop us a review on Apple Podcasts, and if you're enjoying our weekly chats, give us a shout out. Let your friends know. Hit Point Pals is a collaboration between me, William Suit, Rebecca Markley, Caleb Warwick, and Travis Lean, who also edits and mixes the show. 